0: Good morning, church family. Thanks for joining us once again this Sunday as we gather for worship and God's Word. Uh, This morning I'm uh, really excited because our brother Mark Bodycomb is going to be bringing God's Word in the book of Ephesians. And if you've not had the opportunity uh, to hear Mark teach, uh, God has gifted him with the uh, gift of teaching. And so I look forward to um, the Word that he's going to bring to us this morning. And uh, as we begin another service, I, I want to encourage you, and once again, uh, as you get started in today, into the day, just to uh, take a moment now to gather yourself. Maybe you've been uh, busy already this morning, and and you just need to kind of uh, take a deep breath and choose to to be fully present. Choose to uh, let the distractions and the other plans of the rest of the day be put on hold, and and to uh, really. Be present as the church gathers via the internet once again. I'm so grateful uh, for many of you who have been faithfully uh, tuning in each Sunday and how God has been ministering to you through the book of Ephesians. And that's my prayer uh, for you. That's our prayer for us today as we continue to navigate uh, these weeks ahead in um, what the state allows and and seeking God's will uh, for uh, his church and the timing of reopening and what that looks like. As we continue to navigate that, uh, let's just be faithful one week at a time. And so that means even today, let's just choose to make the most of this opportunity to gather via the internet once again. So I'm going to open us up in prayer and then we'll have scripture reading and worship and uh, the rest of the service. So let's pray. Father, thank you for another day of life. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, your love. Father, now we ask you to do what only you can do uh, in our lives, in the life of each person who has uh, chosen to listen uh, to your word, who has chosen to gather uh, via the internet this morning. We don't want to just go through the motions. We don't want to uh, just sort of do this just because. Father, we recognize Uh, that even through this technology, the church can gather. And even through this technology, you can speak powerfully through your Holy Spirit, through the preaching of your word, and even through worship. So Father, now, uh, prepare our hearts. Lord, be glorified, be pleased with your church as we gather in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen.
1: Hey, everybody. This is Matt Norris. Um, I'd like to read a psalm. 67 and it's out of the ESV May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth your saving power among all nations let the peoples praise you O God let all the peoples praise you let the nations be glad and sing for joy for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase, God. Our God shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Well, God bless you. I'm really looking forward to seeing everyone soon.
2: morning church family hope everybody's doing well out there I want to start off by telling you that I miss and love all of you very much and I can't wait until we get to meet again but this morning we get to do meet and greet with Robert and Lois so let's meet and greet with Robert and Lois
3: greetings church family we are the Hodges I am Robert and I'm Lois And church family, we want to especially greet our older brothers and sisters and our younger brothers and sisters, the Kingdom Kids. And Kingdom Kids, if you are listening right now, we're going to sing two songs. If you listen, I think you'll remember what they are. Yes, we love him because he first loved us. 1 John 4, 19. Here we go. We love him, we love him, we love him because he first loved us. We love him, we love him, we love him because he first loved us. One John four nineteen. Listen up for the second song. My best friend is Jesus. My best friend is Jesus. church family looking forward to our family
4: reunion coming up hello church it's great to be with you all today as we study god's word as we worship him together and now as we have the opportunity to give cheerfully to him as well i wanted to share a verse from second corinthians uh, chapter 9 verse 7 each one must give as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. The opportunity with offering this morning is, is one of excitement for us as believers. The opportunity and the privilege to be able to invest in the things that yield eternal dividends. And so that's what excites me this morning as we prepare to go to the Lord in offering. That we are so privileged to be able to give from what He has given us. For everything we have comes from Him. But we're able to give back and invest further in His kingdom. Towards the saving of lives. Towards His good work. His holy and perfect work. So that's the spirit of excitement that we go to him uh this morning with and the opportunity that we have and i think why god expresses in his word that he loves a cheerful giver because he knows that our hearts are aligned with his and that's really what he wants he wants us to be in his will relating with him loving him the father and so as we go to him this morning uh we keep that in in mind, and I, I was also reading and, and thinking of a poem by Corey Ten Boom. Many of you know uh, about Corey Tenboom I encourage you to to look into her. She's an amazing Dutch Christian who has a, a testimony of her own. But she she wrote a poem called "The Master Weaver's Plan," and in that poem, it describes uh, a tapestry. And it, we often see the back of the tapestry, and it looks messy and and unorganized. But God sees the front of the tapestry that is a beautiful creation and uh, so we have an opportunity as we give this morning to share in that beautiful creation all according to God's work and his plan so why don't you join me as we go to the Lord in prayer uh, over the tithe and offering this morning Heavenly Father what a privilege it is and an honor it is to be able to give uh, towards your kingdom Lord we thank you for all that you give us and we thank you Lord For this honor to be able to give cheerfully lord to invest in your good and holy work that yields eternal dividends may you take the offering and multiply it lord and use it to your good and holy purpose not to glorify us lord but to glorify you until the day that you return in jesus name
2: we pray amen good morning again church family um it's time for announcements the first announcement i have for you this morning is that we love to congratulate all the seniors and everybody that is graduating in the Ojai Valley. Either if you're pr- being promoted to a different grade or, or you're one of the seniors from the Ohi Valley that are graduating. A special shout out to the seniors, to Noah, Garrett, Eile, and Molly. We just are so proud of you and we're looking forward to what God has in store for you for the next chapter of your life. Also, the bulletin. Please check it out for the up and coming events, ongoing studies, contact information. And now, it is time for Kingdom Kids. So get ready, here is Kingdom Kids.
5: Hi Kingdom Kids, oh, we're so glad you're back this week. Hey, we're underneath the ocean, and we're in the coral reefs. Isn't it beautiful? So pretty. Hey, we should live down here. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's beautiful, but anyways. Hey, up to now, we've focused our attention to the Under the Sea series and looked upon many creatures. We've looked at big creatures like sharks and whales to little small creatures like jellyfish. And today we're looking at part of the sea that is teeming with
6: life, the coral reef. Coral reefs are the home to tiny little creatures known individually as polyps. These little creatures are the ones who come together to build the elaborate rock life formations that give the coral reef its unique look. These tiny little guys
5: aren't the only inhabitants of the coral reef. Every coral reef is home to literally hundreds of different species of the sea life. Wow.
6: Yeah. Hey, Kim. Yeah. Let's go take a swim through the coral reefs and see if we can find our two fish friends, Levi and Roscoe. Great idea. Let's go. everyone. I'm Levi. And I'm Roscoe. And the coral reefs are our playground. We like to swim around in them and have fun. Did you know that coral reefs are beautiful structures that provide a home to a community of sea creatures? These creatures come together for mutual benefit, and coral reefs themselves benefit our planet. They help us protect coastlines against the storms. The coral reef is a beautiful picture of God's vision for the church. Just like a coral reef, the church is made up of all kinds of people from different backgrounds. There are people from all races, all nations, and all classes in God's kingdom on earth. And we've all come together to serve and worship the Lord. What's more, the Church United is able to benefit our planet by reaching out to the lost, caring for the sick and needy, and standing up for what's the truth? God sent his son Jesus to be the savior
5: of the world. After he was baptized, Jesus began bringing other people into his kingdom. I read Luke 5, 1 through 11, and I learned that Peter, Andrew, and James, and John were the first disciples to serve Christ. They were with him from the beginning hearing every sermon and witnessing every miracle. They were with him in the garden when he was betrayed by one of their own. Two of them followed him to his trial and one went all the way to the cross.
6: Common wisdom says that we're 12 disciples, but that's just not true. Yes, Jesus had 12 that he kept close, but disciples are still being called today. Every person who accepts Jesus becomes his disciple. Every new face added to the church becomes another coral. And when we follow Jesus, we become disciples. We are growing God's kingdom here on earth. So what does it mean to be in God's kingdom? I mean loving and living in community, just like the creatures of the coral reef. We come together each week to worship God. We share one another's ups and downs and we pray with those in need. Wow! That's so
5: awesome! Let's go swim around and see if we can find our friends. All right. What are their names again? Kim and Renell. That's right. I forget because I bump my head a lot in the coral reef. Tag, you're it! Come ah, get me. Let's go! Wasn't that fun to see Roscoe and Levi? That was awesome. I learned so much from them. Hey, I also learned that if we band together to help our fellow believers and do good in our community, we can raise funds and money for missions. We can collect food for the food banks, and we can even collect clothes for the homeless. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus serving in our community and our world in the storms of life. The work we do serving those in need is one way of inviting others to get to know Jesus. When we give of ourselves in love, we are being Christ in our community. Nothing drew people to Jesus like the love he had for others. Sometimes Christians don't always do the best job in loving our neighbors, but when we do, it's amazing how God can
6: use us to grow the church. Wow. So what can you do in your life right now to show that you are the hands and the feet of Jesus? Hey, where are you going?
5: I'm going to go talk to those two little fish over there by the pink curl. Coral. Curl, coral it's a current. That's a coral. It's curl. But I'm going to go talk to them because I want to teach them all about Jesus.
6: Oh, what an awesome disciple. God is good. All the time. And, and all the, the time, time. God is good. Hey, kids, check out King the Kids on our website for more fantastic fun. See you next week. Bye. Bye.
7: Good morning, church. Uh, this is Mark Bodycomb. I'm an elder here at the well, and I'm going to be sharing the message for today. Um, and I'm doing this for a couple of reasons. One is that uh, the leadership at the well uh, really understands that periodically, Richie, our senior pastor, uh... really just kind of warrants and needs a break uh... from the time and preparation that goes into preparing for a sunday morning and so this was an opportunity to give him a break and it just so happens that this has been an enormously busy week for he and his family his uh... one of his daughters shiloh is getting married uh... tomorrow uh... his one of his other daughters Eiley, just graduated from high school today so their families just had a super busy week so uh... so here i am so and i'm looking forward to doing this and sharing this time with you um, I'm really just going to be teaching on the ongoing uh, study of Ephesians that Richie's been doing for the last uh, several months, at least. Um, we're going to be looking today at Ephesians three fourteen to 21, uh, which is really wrapping up uh, the third chapter of Ephesians. Um, I read an interesting quote this week by an 18th century preacher that really talked about uh, when someone is teaching and teaching the word of God, that it is absolutely critical that they teach from the perspective of a two-edged sword, and what that means is that the truth that is coming out of the teaching is both uh, penetrating and and impacting those who are listening as well as the one who is speaking and I really took that to heart this week and to be honest the Lord I know Richie says this with some regularity but the Lord really used uh, this time of preparation and my time in scripture and prayer uh, to really speak to me about some of the things that we'll be talking about over the course of this time but um, I'd like to just before I get into uh, talking about what I want to talk about today I'd like to just pray real briefly so would you pray with me? Lord, I just really ask for your Holy Spirit to come and be present in me and to be present in everyone who is listening, Lord. Lord, for the words that come out of my mouth to come from your heart, to come from your mouth, and for the ears and the hearts of those who are listening today, Lord, to be touched and opened by your Spirit so that they hear the truth and respond to the truth, Lord. So we just pray in your name. Amen. So I want to talk about this passage in Ephesians three again, verses fourteen to twenty-one, from two different perspectives. Um, the first perspective is related to a book that mid-twentieth-century Christian leader and author Watchman Nee wrote, and he wrote a book on Ephesians, breaking down the entire book into really three different um, uh, sections, and he called or titled those three different sections: sit, walk. And stand. And that happens to be the title of the book. And he really just focused in on the very first three chapters with this concept and word of sit, that the first three chapters of Ephesians really are focused in on describing um, the doctrinal teaching about our position in Christ. Who are we in Christ? Who is Christ? What work did he do? And how does that impact us Positionally. And so it's really talking about sitting and resting in the accomplished work of Christ. Uh, Chapter 2, verses 4 to 7 in Ephesians says But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. These first three chapters in Ephesians really are all about everything that Christ has done. Everything that Paul talks about and relates to that we'll be looking at briefly is all in the past tense. Um, It's work that has been accomplished. And that is so critical to this concept of sitting. Because what Paul is telling us in those first three chapters is that we have been put into Christ. And Christ has accomplished all this work. And the Father has put us in Christ has seated us with Christ at his right hand in the heavenly places and that our role, particularly as new Christians, as we grow, is to simply sit and rest in the truth, in the accomplished work of Jesus. The second part of Ephesians that uh, Nee talks about and applies the concept of walking uh, is really uh, referencing Ephesians 4, uh, 1 through chapter 6, verse 9. And this section begins to move into the practicality of how we live in the world. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, "...I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called." And uses that word, walk. So we move from our position in Christ to applying it. And how do we take what is true about us in Christ and our seated position in Him? And how do we apply that to our daily lives?" It builds on the position of sitting. Sitting is something that we have to do first before we start to walk and learn how to walk effectively as believers. But it's still relying on the accomplished work of Christ manifesting itself in our daily lives. And lastly is the concept of stand. And this really uh, refers to Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 24. And again is a very practical application of the truths that we learned in chapters 1 through 3. But in this time it's talking about our posture as it relates to the devil. Uh, chapter Six, Verse Eleven says, "Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, and again, that concept of standing and again that 's not the subject of this um, this talk today, but it really is getting at this this um, overall overarching view of Ephesians of starting with sitting of Moving into walking and application in how we live our lives, and all of those two things resulting in a standing posture in dealing with and fighting against and standing against the schemes of the devil. Um, the second perspective that I really just just impacted me and touched me at the very beginning of when I started reading and preparing for this uh, this uh, teaching today is that I see this section in uh, chapter 3, this uh, last section of verses t- 14 to 21, of really representing a crescendo. Just thinking in terms of a symphony, if you've ever heard a symphony or, you know, kind of thought about how symphonies are are uh, developed, they really, in at least my experience with them, begin with a simple introduction. And it might be one or two instruments that just begin to, to unfold this beautiful, Beautiful um, tune, this beautiful music. But it starts very simply and moves uh, towards the complex from the small to the large. And so as the symphony increases and continues on they'll add in additional instruments, and it begins to build in its complexity and build in its volume and build in its emotion. And it gets to a point where at some point there is a crescendo where all of the instruments are playing and everything is just coming to a head and a climax that is so, in a symphony, that's the part that is so moving and so um, telling and so impactful. This is the crescendo, the height of what's going on within the symphony and often after the crescendo, it'll move down into a second movement and continue on and building towards perhaps another crescendo. And that's really this concept of sitting, walking, and standing. So really this section in chapter 3 is the crescendo of the first three chapters of, uh, of Ephesians. Um, Ephesians 1, 2, 3, all three of those chapters, again from a contextual standpoint, effectively is a prayer. Paul starts off this section of Ephesians with a very brief introduction in the first handful of, of verses, and in verse 17 of chapter 1, he actually begins a prayer, and he continues that prayer, frankly, all the way through the end of uh, chapter 3 with a lot of detours. He gets sidetracked, he'll start the prayer and then he gets sidetracked by talking about and, and sharing the truths and the accomplishments of Jesus, what the Father in, has done for us and in us through Jesus Christ. But in 14 to 21 he comes back to that prayer, ending that prayer and ending it with a doxology. But it's important that we understand that all of this is done in the context of a prayer. And before we look at that part of Paul's prayer at the end in chapter 3, I want to spend some time just reviewing the amazing, the absolutely mind-blowing things that Paul has already said in chapters 1 and 2 and even the beginning of 3 about what Christ has done. And remember that the, 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 uh, the verbiage, the tenses that are used in Paul's language are all past tense. If you go and read it, everything is past tense. This is work that has been done, that is finished, that has been accomplished. So let's just look at some of these things and I want to just ask you to 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 kind of get your mind thinking about these as not doctrines. They are doctrinal, but these are not doctrines where you can just say, "Oh yeah, I know that this is true." Check the box. And I kind of file it away in my doctrinal uh, you know, file cabinet in my head. These are realities. This is what Christ has really done. This is living reality, living truth. Then what God's purpose is, is for those living realities to impact my heart, to impact your heart, and to change us. So don't think about these as doctrines. Think about them as realities. So this is, We're just going to go through a number of things that Paul has already said. So the first thing he said is that God has given us in Christ every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So I want you to just think about that. God is in heaven. The heavenly places are a realm that is other than the physical realm that we live in that we can see the entire universe it is outside of that and that is where God dwells and that is where Jesus when he ascended went to be with the father at his right hand in the heavenly places And what Paul says, that God says, the Father has given you and given me every spiritual blessing that is present in the heavenly places. And what are those spiritual blessings? Well, that's what we're gonna be looking at um, as we look at Paul's continued description of what Christ has done. The next thing Paul says is that in love, this is God's motivation, that out of the depths of God's love for you and for me, he chose us in Christ, before the foundation of the world. Just just think about that. So this is before creation happened, before anything existed. God knew who you were. God knew who I was. And in love, at that point, in love, He chose you and He chose me to know His Son in this day and age. That is just an amazing truth. In having done that, He has made you and I holy and blameless, Paul says in verse 4, before God. We have taken on in Christ the purity, the holiness, the blamelessness of being able to come into the presence of God with with nothing preventing us or nothing in between us. We are holy and blameless before God. He says in verse 5 that God has adopted, the Father has adopted us as His children and that has happened through Jesus Christ. We're not just members of, of the kingdom. We are his children. We are members of his household. We have been adopted. We are legally part of God's family himself. He is our father. We are his children. That is just a flabbergasting, mind-blowing truth. Um, it says in verse 7, Paul talks about the fact that we are redeemed. You and I have been redeemed completely. There is nothing, again, that, that is between us and God. The veil has been torn. We have full, confident access into the presence of the Father because of the blood of Jesus. And our redemption is through his blood. He has forgiven all of our sins. I don't know about you, but honestly, I have a hard time even kind of wrapping my head about that around that. I mean, just all of the sins that I have committed, that I still do and that I'm sure I will commit. Uh, it's just mind-boggling to me that God in reality, not just doctrinally, in reality has forgiven every sin I have committed, I am committing, that I will commit. That is, there is such freedom, there is such power in being set free from the sin in our lives. God has revealed the mystery of his will to unite all things in Christ. Again, that's where Paul's talking about the mystery of Jews and Gentiles and the gospel coming to the Gentiles. But this is a mystery that had not been known until the revelation that came to this earth through Jesus Christ. This had never happened before. No one understood that this was where the work of Christ was headed. That all things in heaven and on earth would be united in Christ based on the work that he had accomplished in coming to earth, in dying, and in resurrecting. If your mind's not blown by that, that's just crazy. Everything of all time in heaven and on earth is going to come together in, one, in unity in Christ. He says in verses 13 and 14, Paul talks about the fact that we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Um, he says that that happened because you and I listened to the gospel. And we believed, and because we listened, and because we believed, God has sent the Holy Spirit to indwell my heart, to indwell your heart, and to seal us. That concept of seal carries with itself the, the notion of finished. When you seal something, if you, you know, make some jam, or you have a letter, or you do something that you have to seal it, it indicates that that work is accomplished, it's finished. I've made the jam, it's all in the jar, I'm gonna seal it so it doesn't go bad. Sealing implies this notion of being finished and of being owned. Sealing back in the days that, uh, you know, in New Testament times when a king or an official would put their seal on something, it meant that that was theirs. They, they, it belonged to them. And that's what God has done with you and me. He has put his seal, his Holy Spirit in us. We belong to God. He owns every aspect of our lives. That is absolutely just amazing. Um, Paul talks about in chapter 2, verse 5, that we have been made alive together with Christ, even though we were dead in our sins. That is, again, just an amazing truth that we have been saved by grace, that we have been raised up with Him, that we, Romans 6 talks about how we have died. When Christ died on the cross, we died, our old man died with Him. But Paul talks about in Ephesians that we, after we died with Christ, we have been raised up with him, and God has seated us in Christ at his right hand in the heavenly places. He has made us his workmanship. He created in Christ Jesus for good works. You and I were created before time began. He chose us and He knew the works that we would do, that He created for you to accomplish in Christ, for me to accomplish. We are His workmanship displaying the works and and glory of God here on the earth. He extended salvation to everyone through Christ and made them one new man, that Jews and Gentiles came together into one new creature, one new man because of the work of Christ, that we all have access to the Father by one Spirit, that we are citizens and members of God's household, that we are being built together into a dwelling for God in the Spirit, again to me that is just mind boggling we are human beings we have committed and given our lives to christ he has brought us together into the church we represent the him on earth as the church as his body and he did that and he does this work of building you and i together on a daily basis and the purpose of that work is so that he can dwell in the church in us This is his home in spirit. That's amazing that God is coming through the church, through his body, you and I, to dwell here in his spirit. And he revealed that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Again, just get your mind around that. God's purpose and plan is that As we have been saved and we are now his body and we are his church, his plan, as Paul says in Ephesians, is that through the church, through the church, that's you and me, through you and I, the manifold wisdom, the comprehensive wisdom, the endless wisdom, the complete wisdom of God is going to be known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. That's Satan and his forces, that's the angels. Everybody in the heavenlies is looking at the church and understanding the wisdom of God. That, again, is just something so hard to even imagine. And lastly, Paul says in uh, chapter 3, verse 11, that everything we've just talked about, all these accomplishments, all these things that Christ has done were done in accordance with the eternal purpose that God had that he realized through Christ Jesus. So again, just step outside of time. Step into eternity. There is no time there. There's no concept experience of beginning and end in time. It's a timeless error place that you and I will be with God in eternity after we die or when He returns. But in eternity, God had a purpose and He had a plan all along from the very beginning and He knew that it would be accomplished. But everything that Christ came and did is part of God's eternal purpose, the purpose He's always had and the plan that He has always had was to accomplish that through Christ and then through you and through me by the Holy Spirit. Um, Now, I I want to get back to the verses that we have been talking about, or we're going to be talking about, um, in uh, chapter 3, verses uh, 14 to 21. I'm sorry. And again, I wanted to remind you back at the beginning that this is a prayer. This started off as a prayer in chapter 1, verse 17, and this is the ending of Paul's prayer. He picks up the prayer again. He started his prayer. He goes, gets sidetracked, telling us about all these amazing things, these amazing spiritual realities that Christ has accomplished. And he now is coming back to finish his prayer and end with just an amazing doxology at the end of uh, chapter three. But this is a prayer that Paul is praying for the Ephesian people. The Ephesian people, just so you know, are, are some are a group of people that he loves so much. Paul spent about three and a half years living in Ephesus uh, in the mid 50s AD. And he poured his life for three and a half years into these people. And he's writing this letter to the Ephesians from Rome uh, when he's under a house arrest. And this is likely in the early to mid-60s. So this is you know anywhere from five to ten years after he spent this three and a half years in Ephesus and raising this church up. He has such a deep, profound love for these people and knows them so well um, that he is praying for them so fervently and so earnestly. But Paul says, and let me just read um, the beginning of uh, verses um, 14 through 19. Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So Paul starts verse 14 by saying, for this reason... This is turning a corner. He's talked about a lot of stuff, and now he's saying, because of everything I just said, what is the reason that Paul is talking about when he says, for this reason? It's everything that we just talked about. It's everything that he has has shared and, and, and declared as far as um, ultimate, incredibly spiritual realities and truths about Jesus' accomplished work in chapters 1, 2, and the beginning of 3. It's everything that we just looked at, the truths of what Christ has done, that we are in Christ, and everything that he has done is ours. Um, Warren uh, Wiersbe summarizes Paul's prayer, and I think this is just a good way to kind of look at this uh, one section, uh, uh, just kind of help us break it down. So Warren says, uh, relative to this segment in uh, chapter 3, there are four requests in Paul's prayer, but they must not be looked on as isolated, individual petitions. These four requests are more like four parts to a telescope. One request leads into the next one, and so on. He prays that the inner man might have spiritual strength, which will in turn lead to a deeper experience with Christ. This deeper experience will enable them to apprehend or to get a hold of God's great love, which will result in their being filled unto all the fullness of God. So then, Paul is praying for strength, for depth, for apprehension and for fullness so um, I hate to do this to you but I'm going to leave you with kind of that cliffhanger um, we're going to pick up this topic uh, next week because we're close to out of time for uh, this week but I um, We're going to build next week on looking at the actual prayer itself, but today I want you just to remember and to relish all of the truths that we have looked at, all of the spiritual realities that are ours in the accomplished work of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to pray in just a second, then I'm going to just briefly lead us into an opportunity for you to take communion at home, and then after that I'll come back and close us out for the day. So would you just pray with me right now? Father, our Father, Abba, Father, we just stand in awe. We are absolutely dumbfounded. We are are blown out by the truths that we have looked at today. At all the work that you accomplished in your Son, Jesus Christ, all the choices and decisions that Jesus made to hear your voice, to obey you, to be faithful, Lord, and all the work that he completed in his life here on earth, completed in his death on the cross, completed in his resurrection and sitting at your right hand. Father, thank you so much for everything that you have accomplished in Jesus. Thank you for putting us in Christ, for having giving us the ability and the, the, um, the privilege of, of embracing, of sitting in, of resting in all of that accomplished work of Christ. Thank you for pulling us together and making us your body, making us your church, for us as your believers, as your body, as your children, as your dwelling place to represent you here in the world today. We thank you so much for that, Lord. So as we just move into taking a time of communion, Lord, would you just use these words to bring us close to you and to remember everything that Jesus accomplished. It's in your name that we pray, Lord. Amen. So this is a great time uh, really for you to uh, pause the video if you feel like that's kind of how you'd like to do it or there's going to be a song coming up in just a minute. You're welcome to take communion during that song or like I said, pause it um, just to really reflect on one or more of the truths that we've gone over today and talked about. Um, So I encourage you to do that and we'll see you back in just a few minutes.
8: For the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect
7: Welcome back. Um, I really hope that you had a meaningful time in taking communion, that that was just a time of Reflection of praise of worship of glorification of Jesus, uh, the one who has accomplished everything for us, and that obviously is the point of communion. but just in closing out today, I really would like to thank you so much for just joining us today. Um, again, we all know that these are very uh, different times uh, for all of us i 'm um, standing here looking at an empty room, and i 'm doing my best to envision and see your faces here, but um, again, just thank you for joining us, and I just want to leave you with um, the very last couple of verses in chapter three of Paul's, because it's such a, a wonderful, just a powerful doxology. So Paul says, now to him, and that is Jesus, who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, within you, within me. To him the Father, be the glory in the church. To him, the Father, be the glory in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next week.